The following content has been provided by RWTH Aachen University. Uh, to wrap things up for today, I want to introduce you to this Windows system architecture model. This is just a preview um, of the detailed analysis we're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks. Um, we're going to be looking at some requirements for our Windows systems. What are they even supposed to be doing? And at a very simple four-layer model, um, which you can kind of see here in these four, in the stacked uh, thing here between hardware and the, and the applications. A window system is basically supposed to handle what? Well, it gets input from the mouse, from the keyboard, typically. That's the standard devices that you have, or a touchpad, or maybe a touchscreen, um, if, if you have a touchscreen device. And it's supposed to take this user input and pass it on to the right application. Right? When you are typing uh, an email, and you switch over on your laptop to your browser and you continue typing in the address field, you expect those things simply because you clicked on the browser window to now expect your keyboard input to go to that other window, right? That's, it's almost like natural, you don't even think about it, but somebody needs to take care of that. It also needs to handle output of the applications, right? So the browser wants to show a window and the email application wants to show a window and they somehow need to get along. And so somebody needs to be mediating that uh, display space because not everybody gets all the space on the screen that they want in terms of applications. Some windows are hidden between, uh, behind, behind others. And then the user will manage windows on the screen. He will push them around, resize them. All that kind of stuff needs to be done by somebody. And that is what Windows systems very basically have to do. And it's also what your basic Windows system will be doing once you're done with your assignments for the next couple of weeks. You will actually build a very, very simple version of exactly that. I think the ones that you mentioned here all fall into different categories that I think we're, we've uh, covered quite well. Uh, we've talked about productivity, which basically means for application development, this would be, for example, what you said about the IPI documentation and usability, or how modular is it, how easy is it to build and extend my application interface. Um, then we actually had both examples of the, um, the parallelism here. The external one where I can say I can actually switch between different windows, I can do stuff like in a multiple window system but also the internal one where does it actually process things in, in parallel on a, on a lower level of the operating system, the internal application uh, parallel processing. <coughs> and then um, um, Florin mentioned the, the performance metrics here, like your responsiveness. Uh, does it actually handle um, main operations like closing a window or reacting to user input to a button press in, in the time that we need? Um, it's interesting when you look at modern applications, uh, more and more processing power is just spent on the user interface. I mean, when you look at your, your iPhone and there's like you know, a, a 3D whatever uh, effect going on between the background and the foreground, even in a lock screen. That's all, some people think it's just eye candy, but some of it, not all of it, but some of it helps you to actually process what's on the interface more quickly as a human, but it wastes a lot of resources. So, it's really important to look at uh, performance metrics when you're moving into a window, you know, graphical environments. And then uh, we can also ask, you know, what kind of graphics model is supported? Am I drawing in vector land? Um, am I drawing mathematical lines and the system takes care of mapping that to pixels? Or do I actually have to say that this line has to be 128 pixels long? Uh, we'll talk about this more in a, in a little while. Uh, some more examples will be, uh, I think you, you mentioned this, the. Uh, um, the window system usability, right? This, this question of 
Uh, how does it, what's the appearance? Uh, what's the look and feel of the system? Um, can I maybe tweak that or even exchange it? If I know my customers all are very used to Windows, but I have to now work, uh, you know, create a, a system that is cross-platform that also runs on other devices, can I make it look like a Windows app, for example, to make it easier for my users? Um, how can I adapt code and extend it? So can I extend the Windows system itself? Is it possible to add, possible to add my own widget that I need? Can I adapt it to say, um, this needs to be shipped to people in France and Italy and Germany and, and the US. How easy is it to launch an application and just switch to different language packs? For example, this you know, is usually no big deal these days in Windows systems that run on desktops or, or mobile devices. But if you get to the embedded platforms, they are sometimes you know, just beginning to, in, to invent things like that, you know, reinvent these things. Um, can I share resources like fonts? You know, not everybody needs to uh, store their own copy of a font because you know, you're never going to change a font. It's just a read-only resource so everybody can share it. Um, and then also one thing that is becoming uh, increasingly interesting is what, what about moving beyond that one device? Can I, for example, launch an application here that creates some windows and that also creates some windows on, on your computer? You know, is that possible? Can I distribute my application over the network? Um, somebody mentioned the API do uh, documentation and usability. Um, that also asks the question, is it an object-oriented platform, which most of the um, you know, desktop and mobile platforms are, of course, today, but some of the embedded platforms are stuck in, uh, still stuck in procedural land. So you'll be writing code in C or stuff like this. So it's going to create uh, maybe more overhead for you. Or maybe that's great, because that's exactly what, what you want. Um, API comfort is exactly what we have in there already. API usability, you know, host the support and, and documentation. Um, independence of application code and, and interaction logic. So can I actually write code uh, that is my business logic and then I can make it work on a, on a desktop, on the web, on mobile? Like, can I split out these different uh, rendering environments and these different display and interaction environments with one base of, of, um, of, of code? How well is the support, how good is the support for inter-application communication? Can I drag and drop from one to the other? I mean, um, it sounds like a no-brainer, right? Drag and drop between applications stuff works great, but as soon as you get into, like, for example, I don't know, the other day I was trying this in, a, in an emulator that was running a Windows desktop on my Mac, and I had to, like, tweak it until I could actually drag and drop between the two environments. Now, what we see when we look at this is that we already have a conflict between at least two, maybe even three parties. One party is the application developer. If you just pick up a toolkit, you're interested in how easy is it to write, build code with this that's maintainable, that's easy to extend, to change, to adapt, to localize, etc. You also have the user who is interested in, who frankly doesn't care how hard it was for you to write the code as long as the application works great. So they have an interest in other metrics, like you know, for example, the performance metrics you were mentioning. And then we have the Windows system developers who are also humans, right? So they have an interest in making that Windows system that they wrote easy to extend and, and easy to maintain and, and, and just easy to build, basically. And all these three things are sometimes conflicting, right? So you have partially conflicting goals between these different things. Um, and we won't be able to, to resolve this conflict because it's always there, but we may be able to look at where and how and when you can actually resolve these conflicts or, or make choices that move this in one direction or the other. 
Real systems will show you, and the ones that we look at, will show you sample points in this trade-off space where you can be. And we will have examples, for example, the, the initial window toolkit for Java was written in about six weeks' time, according to some of the developers. And I can tell you it shows. Right? You know, things like uh, the support for input devices was hard-coded into the system. Mouse, keyboard, that's it. Nothing else. Right? So um, you know, th th these things will sometimes, will sometimes happen. So this is the model that, we, that uh, we will use to analyze existing systems. And before we do that, we will go through and use it as, an, as a reference and understand what each layer does. Um, this is a layering of virtual machines, which means uh, each layer hides things from the layers above um, so that you can build on top without having to worry about how things are happening down below. It's an idealized system. The actual real, real existing models are often more fuzzy or you know, take shortcuts for performance reasons. Um, and two things that are often confusing when people see this is, uh, where's the operating system in this? The stack here starts with the hardware, and then there's a graphics event library, a base window system, a window manager, a UI toolkit, and applications. The OS is basically hiding somewhere in here. The reason why the operating system isn't included is that technically, conceptually, a Windows system and, and, and basically the, the whole GUI toolkit stuff is considered separate from the operating system. An operating system provides things like um, process management, you know, um, memory management, those kinds of things, task switching. Whereas the GUI-oriented uh, sites, the things that the user sees and interacts with and the events that are being processed can be a separate thing. In fact, the first Windows systems ran on um, operating systems that had no idea that they would ever run a Windows system. Unix, as a command line uh, based system, had been successful for many decades, and then people added the so-called X Windows system to it and basically built a Windows system on top of an existing operating system. Um, where's the user? Where would you place the user in this, in this, in this picture? And don't be afraid, there's not just one right answer here. On top of the applications. Yeah, that's what most people say. And it's, it's right when you think about how you mentally, basically, conceptually, cognitively interact with the application. As a user, from a cognitive point of view, you have an abstract task in mind that you want to get done. You have the idea of files and folders, and, and you communicate with your application that hopefully gives you these abstractions to, I don't know, do your taxes or something. But at the same time, I hate to tell you this, but you are all these blobs of, full of water mostly with these tentacles at the end of your arms that touch stuff. Yeah, he's like wiggling his fingers. Yeah, so where is that physical, we're getting philosophical here, but where is that physical shell of yours interacting with the system while your mind is connecting on the application level? Where's the body connect? The hardware. It's on the hardware level, right? You are pushing buttons. You're moving the mouse around. You're clicking the mouse button. Uh, you are doing these things physically, very much on the level of this design space we just saw, in order to tell the system what you want. Has anybody here ever heard of the ISO OSI seven-layer communication model of, yes, right? Yeah, you had to learn this for some exam or other, I'm sure. So remember how um, you had these two stacks, right? And you say one one layer uh, one layered stack that has goes from like you know physical network connection 
over IP, TCP, Ethernet, IP, TCP, all the way up to you know, the, the higher layers, HTTP, and then your application. And then you put another application next to that, and you know, here's your whatever web server, here's your, your browser. They talk to each other in many different ways. Physically, they're exchanging electrical signals over some kind of connection, right? Over, over some kind of a network connection. But at the same time, they're, you know, the web server and the web client are talking to each other using the HTTP protocol, right? So we could say, actually, uh, you know, the, the mind of the apps is talking up here, while the body of these apps, the physical manifestation, is talking down here. And on each layer, what's the language they talk? It's protocols, right? So HTTP is a protocol. Ethernet is a protocol. These are all happening at the same time on different levels of abstraction. At the same time, the information flow is really not this way, but if you look at it, it's down the stack, through the line, and up the stack again. And these communications, these actual physical communications, are happening using APIs. Right? So you write your HTTP code, but you're actually calling things on the TCP layer uh, in order to make that happen, and from there on down. Same thing here. The user's mind is talking to the application with the abstract concepts while the user's body is interacting with the hardware, basically, and, and you know, pushing buttons and, and creating events. So this is just important to, to keep in mind. Um, so the four-layer window model starts with the graphics event library down here. And uh, that is basically just something that has high-performance graphics output for applications and um, registers user input actions like pushing a button or, or moving the mouse around, and often it also draws the cursor. It implements the graphics model, so basically whether you're drawing raster-wise, uh, raster like pixel-wise, or whether you can draw in vectors, the, the GL gives you that. On top of that, we have the base window system. It provides logical abstractions for uh, physical resources. For example, um, a window isn't really a physical thing, but in the end it needs to go somewhere on, on the screen, right? So the base window system basically creates these virtual resources, like a window. I can give a window to an application, even though that window might not actually be fully on the screen, right? But the application will think it has a window and it can draw into it. Um, the window manager is, on top of that, it also, it, it basically provides the user interface to the window system. So the window manager lets you move windows around, close them, resize them, iconify them, those kinds of things. Um, and then the UI toolkit is the thing that, as an application developer, you are mostly interacting with. That's the one that gives you buttons, scroll bars, you know, um, menu uh, items, all those kinds of things that you need to put your own application together. Um, these are called user interface objects or widgets. That's the name for uh, these user interface components that we'll see a lot. Sometimes they're called construction sets, um, but that's sort of the, the base idea of this, this model. Now, um, we have a reading assignment for you guys uh, from uh, Gosling's book. Um, this, is, this is from the News book, uh, and News was a Windows system was developed uh, quite a while ago, many, many uh, decades ago, and back then this guy did an, a review of existing Windows systems and put them into a reference model. And that reference model, Gosling's model, is in that text that you will be reading. It's very similar to what we have. It's a little older. Um, it has the same overall structure. There are some differences. For example, you know, how it defines what the, G, what the graphics event library does and what the base window system does. Um, that's because it was written with their own specific system in mind. 
uh, and it also, you know, our system is, is a couple years more, more recent and a little more general, and it includes Gosling's models and also some others. This content was provided by RWTH, Aachen University.